You're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurélien Moutier, and I'm here today with Jeremy Brown, Content Marketing Manager at Crunchbase. How are you today, Jeremy? I'm doing amazing, Ray. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. It's an absolute pleasure. So today we want to speak about how to turn your sales team into thought leaders. But before we go into the details, before we, we, we start the conversation, Jeremy, could you please introduce yourself to our audience and tell us more about your role at Crunchbase? Sure. So I've been in the content marketing game for now over eight years. So I've been working with uh, large enterprises and even smaller startups, essentially helping them build lead generation uh, kind of teams uh, to ultimately drive more revenue. And that's what I do at Crunchbase. Uh, So as you mentioned, I'm the content marketing manager at Crunchbase. I focus on our B2B side of things. We actually have two sides of the business. We have our B2B and B2C. Most people know Crunchbase for the B2C side of things. So when you go to crunchbase.com and you interact with the data that we have, that's our B2C offering. And so Crunchbase is a platform that over 55 million people every single year rely on to prospect for new business opportunities. Now, what does that mean? If you're a salesperson, you can actually use Crunchbase to find opportunities to actually find companies to sell to. So for example, we have this really great signal around funding. And so we track all the funding that companies raise. And so let's say that you're a salesperson in London and you are interested in uh, uncovering companies who raise capital in the past, let's say, six months. You could use Crunchbase for that and actually find companies that are in a good position to actually buy uh, your product or service. And so that's, that's how people interact with Crunchbase. If you're an investor, you can find companies to invest in. If you're a founder, you can find, you can find investors. So there's a lot of ways to actually use the Crunchbase data. Yeah, we've been, uh, we, we're very, very, very familiar. I think we've been uh, relying on Crunchbase a lot. And as you say, the alerts in terms of uh, uh, people getting uh, uh, fond of uh, investment and everything have been super useful for us. So we, we've definitely used your solution as a trigger to engage with prospect. So, so yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, no, it's great. So, um, and, and yeah, definitely a, a very thorough as well. You know, there is some other solution that we've seen out there over the years, probably not anymore. Now we, we really put a lot of eggs in the same basket with, with Crunchbase. But I guess the other solution were not as thorough in terms of getting all the fundings in one place. So really your database is, is, is super cool, guys. Yep. So, so coming back to the topic now, enough about Crunchbase and how fantastic as a company you are, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> we often see CEOs and CMOs and also high-level executives in general, uh, investing in their personal brand and you know, being seen as thought leader in their own industry. It, it's, it's powerful to help them to promote their companies, but also to build up authority and trust within, within, within their business communities. But we don't, I don't believe that you need to really be an high-level exec to be a thought leader in your industry. Actually, the fact that you are working in the trenches with clients every day would potentially put you in a better place to be to be a thought leader in your industry. And you can have multiple people working within your organization, generating relevant content that will positively impact the company reputation. So as my first question, could you please elaborate a little bit uh, 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 on what I just mentioned and share your thoughts on, on the topic of not just getting the exec, but more people in the organization to be thought leader and pushing their personal brand? 
Absolutely. I um, mean, just to give some examples uh, and, you know, noted that you don't have to be an executive to be a thought leader. I mean, the, the reason you want to be a thought leader is, is pretty simple. It's about building trust. And so an easy example to illustrate that point is, let's say, Bill Gates. When Bill mm-hmm. Gates speaks, everyone listens because we trust what he's saying. Now, obviously, he's a billionaire, well-known. So that's an obvious example. Now, here's another example. Let's say my dad. So my dad's a real estate agent. He's been a real estate agent for over 30 years. When I have questions about real estate or if people around me that know me or connected with me have questions about real estate, they go to him and ask him questions because they trust that what he's saying is the truth. And he's very transparent about that. And so imagine if your sales team had that same level of thought leadership within their own networks. Now you don't have to rely on some of the tactics that salespeople do uh, to actually sell. And an example of this is uh, here in the United States, a used car salespeople. So used car salespeople have a bad reputation of being individuals who are not very transparent uh, about selling used cars. Now, if you were a person that wanted to build your thought leadership up in that space, imagine if instead of not being transparent, you were transparent. Imagine if you talked about the cost of a car and why it costs that particular uh, number. Imagine if you talked about the dings and the dents and the history of the car. Imagine the transparency that you're, you're exhibiting that way. Now, from a consumer perspective, that trust is extremely important. At the end of the day, we want to buy from people that we trust. Now, what's interesting about business is that from sales to marketing, we tend to either sell a product or market a product in a way that we as consumers would not be attracted to. We would not be interested in that particular way of selling or marketing. And Mm -hmm. so what's interesting is why don't we sell or market a product in a way that we would want to be sold to or marketed uh, towards. And so being a thought leader at the end of the day, it's building that trust with a particular uh, target audience and an, an, an effort to help you sell more down, down the, down the road. It's not a, a quick, a quick win or anything like that. It does take time to become a thought leader, but when you do become a thought leader, you're in a, in a very good place. Yeah. So, so, and would you say transparency is a big part of thought leadership? Because you mentioned that a couple of times, you used the example of used car salespeople, which, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a cliche, but I think a cliche that will speak to our audience. So uh, mm-hmm. how much is transparency versus actual technical knowledge? It, it, and, and that's maybe a tough question because I guess it, it depends on the industry, but just to get your thoughts, what was the importance of transparency versus pure hardcore knowledge? I think you have to, you have to come, uh, need a combination of both. Um, I, I do put, and this is me in, in, in my, my personal opinion, but I do weight transparency over anything else. A person that I trust and is being honest with me about certain things, that's putting me in a position to make the best possible purchasing decision for myself. At the end of the day, that's what consumers want. Yeah. You know, put yourself in a consumer's shoe. Would you rather make a purchase that you're confident in because you have the knowledge around that because the individual shared the knowledge with you, or would you rather purchase something that you're not really confident in? You don't know whether or not it was the best possible decision for you. And that's why transparency really matters. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it's, it's, it's part of, uh, it's part of our core strategy when we, um, 
when when we sell ourselves, so when we sell our services, but also when we represent our clients to to a very transparent to the to the to the goal, you know, to the objective type of message, cut the chase basically. So if you're in a very competitive landscape, instead of going around and beating around the bush, just just be honest with it and say, well, I'm in a very competitive landscape. I am selling something. You've already got one. So let me tell you why what I've got is is light. Let me tell you the three reasons why or the three things that makes us different. Let's cut the chase, you know. Uh, but also, I've been in sales cycles with some of my my salespeople where they're like, "Whoa, you've been very to the point." You tell you said, "No, we can't do it." And I was like, "Yeah, well, if we can't do it, we've got to say no. We can't do it. You know, you can't." And, and and I think like you, I think when you get into that sort of situation and you develop a relationship and from the beginning of your sales relationship or professional relationship you start with an extreme level of transparency and honesty you end up being the advisor that people will call next time they need something that may not be revenue generating for you but you become that cool guy that knows about stuff and that encyclopedia or encyclopedia of knowledge that people want to get to and they want to have in their network and, and that's i find it very useful now, coming back to the 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 the, the, the salespeople and and the benefits from the tactics. Um, mm-hmm. uh, basically, how do you see salespeople benefiting from the tactic? And 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 it takes time to 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 build up a profile. It takes time to become a, a, a sort leader. It's not just about posting a couple of things once a week or inspirational quote or pictures on your Instagram that you grab from someone else. Um, right. But would you say that they can? salespeople, when I mean they, build their own inbound lead generation engine by investing in their personal brand and 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 delivering valuable content to their peers and customers? Oh, absolutely. And by doing that, by building their own inbound lead generation engine, they don't have to rely so much on the cold emailing and the cold calling. So now, yeah. instead of having to do that, they have people coming to them. And you mentioned something um, a little while ago that was really important. And it's this this idea of having people come to you, right? Having people uh, rely on the things that you're telling them um, and trusting that, um, you know, what you're sharing with them is valuable information to help them make a decision. And I will say over the course of my career, the best salespeople that I've ever worked with were very good at building trust very quickly. And they had that kind of, uh, kind of, kind of like, like a consultant type of approach to the prospects that they were having conversations with. And so now the prospects never really looked at them as a salesperson. They looked at, at them as someone that they knew and trusted that they would give him information that would be valuable to help them make a purchase, a purchase decision. And at times that made it say that might, that may be as simple as, Hey, you're not going to get any value out of our product. And I know from yeah. a sales perspective that that hurts because you're trying to make a sale, but that level of, of transparency and honesty, while it may not lead to a purchase right then and there, that, that consumer is going to take note of that. They're going to, they're yeah. going to take note of the fact that you told them, Hey, you know, we're, our product is not, it's not going to be valuable for you. And now oh. you never know that prospect might go to another company next year. And all of a sudden, they need your product. Now, who do you think they're going to go to? Are they going to go to some random company or are they going to go to the person that they interacted with before that was really transparent with them? Mm-hmm. So putting out content um, and like you mentioned, not just doing, you know, 
inspirational quotes, but putting out valuable content is extremely important. Now, what does valuable content mean? It, let's take for, let's take an example. Let's say your company manufactures furniture. Mm-hmm. Now, putting out valuable content isn't talking about your company, isn't talking about your pricing or how amazing your products are. Good content in this uh, situation is things like, what's the best wood for kids? What's the best scratch-proof wood? What about the types of fabric? What type of fabric is good for homes that have dogs? Is there a waterproof fabric? What's the best type of waterproof fabric? So putting out content, blog posts, podcasts, videos about things like that is valuable because, again, you're helping a consumer make a decision. That's the, mm-hmm. At the end of the day, that's what producing content is meant to do, is to help that individual get enough information so that they're confident in making a purchasing decision. And hopefully, that purchasing decision is your company. Yeah, absolutely. And then and coming back to a point you made about, again, the transparency and, 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 and people coming back to you and all that, I've got a ton of examples. So part of our sales cycles, when we engage with a, with, with a new prospect or an existing client, even to, to, to an expansion or whatever, we always go through building up a business case. And often over the course of the business case, we realize that things don't add, don't add up. And we will say to the clients or the prospect, we say, look, I'm sorry, but we, we, we can't support you. The numbers don't match up. So what we will do, let us look at other solutions and we will recommend other solutions that you know, will bring you be- maybe a better return on investment or are more aligned with your expectation or more aligned with your market or more aligned with what you want to achieve. And you'll be surprised. And I, and I don't know what it is, if it's... Uh, if it's reverse psychology, if it's if it's if it's the fact that they get pushed back or the fact that you say no to them, but sometimes the more you say no, I can't help you to people by explaining and having going through a process. So you know it's, it's mathematical, it's, it's very clear as to why things don't work, work up or don't add up. The more they want you to work with them, and and they find a way. And you're right; it might not be now, but it might take them a month, two months, three months, six months, or actually then moving to another company to then come back to you and re-engaging with you. And they will always quote that moment where you said no to them. And because it's, it's almost like it feels refreshing for prospect when someone was trying to send them something saying, no, I'm sorry, it's not the right fit. I think that's really a way, and it's a word that we've not, uh, we've not used so far in the podcast, but to create that sort of respect, uh, which I think is also, you know, I think knowledge, transparency, and respect are, are probably the three, you know, the three main things that I would say would gravitate around thought leadership, but but yeah, that that that's respect when it when it's when it's when it's put in place because it's so difficult mm-hmm. to get when it's in there. You know, it's just that that build the confidence and everything, and that's, that that makes some beautiful things happen. So, more practically now, how do we make this happen? Okay, what would you say, or what would be your tips for our audience in terms of actionable? things that you can do for salespeople that are looking to get into that thought leadership mindset. Where do you start? What's the frequency of the content? Where to post? How to make sure that you keep the consistency? It's a wide open question. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry, Jeremy, <laughs> but, but I'm going to let you take it from here. <laughs> yeah. So the good thing is nowadays, pretty much everything is free to get started. You don't yeah. need, uh, you know, you don't need to spend money on a website or anything like that. You can use LinkedIn or medium.com to actually get started. Or if you have your own company blog, 
you can get started there too. Now, I will say not everyone is a good writer or even wants to write. So you have to audit yourself and what you like and what you're, you know, what you're good at. Um, and it, sometimes it comes with trial and error. So if you know that you hate being in front of video, then don't do video. You can do a podcast like this, for example, or you can, you can write. If you're, if you don't like writing, then you can try something else. So that's where I would start uh, first is audit yourself and what you're interested in and what you're not interested in and go from there. If you work at a company that has a marketing team already, work with that marketing team. Instead of having you manage everything, you can have them manage things. They can share topics with you that they might want you to produce content around. That way you don't have to think about all this because obviously you're trying to sell. But if you do have the time to be able to dedicate to carving out some some, uh, time to uh, ideate and come up with some ideas that uh, would be beneficial for you as a thought leader, um, and then obviously your company, then definitely uh, bring those to the surface and work with your marketing team. So that would be number two. Um, you mentioned frequency. Now, this is, this is going to be dependent on uh, a lot of different factors, mainly the individual. Uh, some people are proficient writers and they can write a blog post every week or every couple of weeks. I wouldn't suggest starting there. Um, if you, if you, this is the first time you're getting into the content marketing game as a salesperson, I would do maybe one thing a month or one thing a quarter. And then mm-hmm. from there, gauged how much time it takes you to produce that particular piece of content. Let's say it took you three days. Okay. Now, you know, you have a, you have a benchmark in terms of, of, um, how long it takes you to produce something. So now you might want to increase that. Maybe it's twice a month or maybe it's twice a quarter and then just go from there. Um, and then before you know it, because you've been doing it for so long, you're very proficient at it. And now you can just continue to increase that, uh, that number or the frequency number. And frequency is important in the long run because being a thought leader, you need to be putting your thoughts out there. Um, so again, I would, I would start there. Uh, and then where to post it. Again, it's, it's, it's going to really depend on, on the, the individual, the company mm-hmm. and the industry itself. So for example, if like Crunchbase, for example, if I'm writing about, uh, because one of the, uh, again, one of the personas that uses Crunchbase are salespeople. If I'm going to write something that I want to focus around thought leadership, I'm going to probably post it on LinkedIn because that's where our audience lives every single day. So chances are I'll have uh, the highest opportunity to reach the, the largest crowd by posting on LinkedIn. So, and then you mentioned also consistency. And like I said, consistency uh, and frequency really, really matter. Uh, just because if you're a thought leader, you need to be putting your, your thoughts out there on a very consistent basis. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, so, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's just a tricky thing. So being a thought leader, you need to be consistent and, and, and have high frequency. However, if this is the first time you're producing content, you need to start slow. Unless you've been doing it for some time and, and you're comfortable producing more. But you also got to keep in mind that the more you produce, that might take you away from some of your core responsibilities in terms of, you know, cold emailing, cold calling, et cetera. But if you do it right, you will have more people coming to you, which means you can kind of offset the, the fact that you're not cold calling as much. Yeah. And what's the value of disruptive content? Because this is what we see sometimes, you know, articles will have a, a very disruptive title. So you really want to read them. And, and often, I look at the title and I'm like, oh my God, that's going to be an interesting one. I'm just looking at the top of this eight minutes read. Okay, let's go for it. And then I'm all free through and I'm like, oh my God, this is boring. I just got caught. <laughs> it's like when, when someone sends you an email with FW, two dots, well, they never forwarded you something. They just send that to you because they want you to believe that someone was, something was forwarded. But it's, it's, it's a 
it's a tactic where I feel almost violated <laughs> because I'm like, well, you got me into a trap, so I won't buy from you now. This is terrible. But but <laughs> what, what, what do you think about that? Because I think I think again, it's, it's coming back to the transparency. But but mm-hmm. this is disruptive good for soft leadership, or do you need to keep it disciplined? Do you need to keep it you know low key to the point? What what's, what are your thoughts on that? I don't think you need to be disruptive. I think you need to be practical. I think the content mm-hmm. that you produce has to be practical. Um, now, you might come across, uh, you know, maybe a title, for example, that you put out that is that does kind of go viral. That's fine. But I don't think you should go into it uh, in terms of producing content with uh, the idea of, oh, I want to go viral. Um, because yeah. that can also, depending on the article, that can also be detriment to your company's reputation. I th- I believe that especially if you're just getting started in this, you need to focus on the practicality of things. So mm-hmm. again, going back to an example that I use uh, of a manufacturing company that produces furniture, mm-hmm. being practical is talking about the different furnitures that your company produces uh, and why one furniture in terms of, let's say, the wood is better than another type of furniture why one fabric is better for another uh, better than another uh, type of fabric for you know kids or homes with dogs that's very practical and that's very valuable to the people that you want to be buying from you that's yeah. valuable that's what they want so that's what you produce so being disruptive yeah you might get you know so in a nice spike in traffic to your website for example if you do post that particular blog post on your website that's cool and all but at the end of the day that's not really going to move the needle for you. What's going to move the needle is being very practical and being uh, and producing content that's very valuable to uh, the people that you're trying to sell to. Yeah. Last question that I've got for you is: It's not really linked to the to the to being a thought leader in a sense, but it's linked to engaging with the audience that sees you as a thought leader the rest of the time. Uh, what we've seen recently, uh, and particularly since the the kind of lockdown. Uh, that we're going through. So we, we are recording that episode. It's uh, We're on the 28th of April, 2020 right now. Uh, so in the midst of uh, COVID-19, we're all locked down. We're all having so much fun uh, and we can't wait to, to go out and see each other. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but um, you know, what we've seen working with, with Katarina, my, my marketing manager, is that uh, we did decide to put a few pairs, not professional posts as such, but more like personal kind of related posts. So for example, I, I put a post up on LinkedIn about uh, my wife drew a schedule about how she would look after the kids. Bless her. She's looking after the kids for 10, 12 hours a day when I'm working. I'm so, so lucky. But she, we've got a three years old and a six months old as well. So it's not, it's, it's not really the easy age to, to deal with kids. So, so bless her. But, you know, that went absolutely crazy. People have been sharing it. People have been commenting on it. People have we had humongous amounts of views on that, and and that really is a post that probably took five minutes to create. It was me mm-hmm. looking at something on my on my on my kitchen table, liking it, taking a picture of it, sending it to Katarina. We worked on a quick thing because Katarina helped me to to put all my LinkedIn posts, and she she get access to everything. And literally, that went crazy very quickly, and people speak to me about it. So I've got prospect, I've got existing clients to say, oh, I've seen the things from your wife. It's been it's been an ongoing thing. I'm kind of famous for that now. And <laughs> and, and I guess my question to you is, you know, do, do, would you say it's a good? Again, I don't know if it's a tactic because it was the, the idea was not to get people to like me for it. I guess it's just like showing stuff, and I found it funny, and that's why I would share it. But 
do you think it's good to to have some sort of a, not just focus on on practical content all the time, but also as as you are developing your personal brand to put some more personal stuff. So you, you've got some sort of you alternating very thought leader, very useful for your industry content with something is like, well, let me let me show you a little bit more about myself. Let me show you who I am when I'm not working type of content. Do you, do you see value in that? I do. And it goes back to something that you, you kind of touched on and the fact that people are talking to you about it. And ultimately that humanizes you. I know that's, it's a, it's a funny word to say, right? It, you're, you're humanizing your personal brand. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when it comes to business, it can be difficult because if you're only talking about one particular thing, people know you for that one particular thing. And if you're only talking about business, you don't come across as a human. You know, you're, you're, no one knows information about you. And so this goes back to what I, what I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast uh, around people buy from people they like and trust. And so the trust element comes when you're producing that valuable content about, uh, you know, again, going back to the manufacturing example about, let's say, uh, producing furniture. Mm-hmm. The like portion comes when you're humanizing your brand, your personal brand and people have some context around who you are as an individual. And it's, and the internet is amazing. You know, we can interact with people on Twitter or LinkedIn and it feels like we've known them our entire lives that we've never met in person. Uh, and the, the, the way to get to that point is to not be afraid to showcase, you know, uh, content, whether it's a blog or, or image or video that has some personal element to it. There's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. that. Just know that every time you do that, that is creating a perception of who you are as a person. So if you're putting out something, you want to make sure that you want to be known for that thing. So that, so yeah, to answer your question, I don't see any, any problem with uh, de- uh, de- uh, uh, producing content uh, that has some personal element to it. That's good. Okay. Well, that's uh it's always a bit cagey to share things about personal life, but we so why not? We give it a go because we think it's 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 cool, and uh, that went well. So we, we'll try that ever even a little bit further, and we keep you posted on the on the development, Jeremy. Um, we're getting to the end of the episodes, but I had a fantastic time with you today, Jeremy. It was a very good conversation. We actually really like the example of the furniture shops or furniture. Shop. I think it makes it makes perfect sense, um, and definitely we'll take some of the. I will definitely have some takeaway for myself and for my team based based on some of the, the example and, and, and tips that you, you gave today. But if anyone wants to connect with you to learn more about Crunchbase, if they don't know about Crunchbase, they, you know, please guys come out. You know, it's 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 all over, it's super important. Go get it. It's it's a great <laughs> database. Or or if they want to continue that conversation offline with you around, you know, I want to build my personal brand and I want to be a thought leader, what is the best way to get in touch with Jeremy? The best way um, is to connect with me across social media. So my social media handle is Social Jeremy on all major platforms. I'm very, very active on all the major platforms. So uh, that's the easiest way to engage with me and to continue the conversation. And if you want to learn more about Crunchbase, easiest way is to go to crunchbase.com and um, start a free trial and just interact with the the data and see what it can do for for you and your business. That's wonderful. Well, many thanks once again, Jeremy. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Ray. Thank you for having me. 
Operatics has redefined the meaning of revenue generation for technology companies worldwide. While the traditional concepts of building and managing inside sales teams in-house has existed for many years, companies are struggling with a lack of focus, agility, and scale required in today's fast and complex world of enterprise technology sales. See how Operatics can help your company accelerate pipeline at operatics.net. You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.